0: Rachel Meadle from Talking With Tech.
1: And I'm Chris Bougay from Talking With Tech.
0: We have a podcast dedicated to augmentative and alternative communication, all things related to helping kids with complex communication needs.
1: If you have a passion for helping people with language disabilities, this is the show for you. Each episode features an interview or a roundtable discussion on a topic related to augmentative communication and helping people with language disabilities.
0: And we're really passionate about giving practical strategies to clinicians working in the field who are working with children or adults anything related to AAC.
2: So you can
1: look us up on iTunes or you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group over there. Or check out our website at bit.ly slash TWTPodcast.
0: Please join our community of professionals that are working to ensure that everyone can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it.
2: The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect, reflect the, the policy or
3: position, or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of this show do not constitute recommendations for therapy.
1: Please Please contact contact. a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation.
0: Please listen carefully. What is communication?
3: An essential behavior of life. We have the uh, both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's
0: transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's
3: the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other.
0: The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or names. It draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and Achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information.
1: Welcome to Speech Science, episode number 125. We are proud members of the Exceptional Podcast Network. I'm Matt Hott, joined uh, from the city of Superman, and don't tell me otherwise, Michelle Wintering. (laughs) <laughs> Hi Matt And from the home of the Defenders, Mike McCloud What's up dude? Hey guys, I am going to try to find a way to find comic book references for the entire show Just so you guys know, or or not so.
3: What is the Defenders?
1: The Defenders was like Luke Cage and Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Iron Fist And they mm. were, you know, I think they did a little time in Philadelphia
3: okay i think you learn something new mm-hmm.
1: at least i think so <laughs> we are so proud you could join us on episode number 125 we do want to hear from you so make sure you head over to our website and that is speechsciencepodcast.com you can email us podcast at gmail.com you can hashtag it up hashtag sspod you can give us a phone call 614-681-1798 or check us out on the discord Discord.SpeechSciencePodcast.com. And of course, our Patreon is always open. Patreon.com slash SpeechSciencePodcast. I'm excited about today's show because we have a few things. We have a new format a little bit today. Uh, After our interview, we will be going over the news, which is just a couple quick hits of things that are happening in the news related to speech therapy. I'm excited about that. Uh, Our articles today that we're talking about, uh, which private education company is getting sued and also what is the perception of your your clientele uh, of you as an slp and how should that impact what you are doing in therapy of course our due processes our asha shout out and our slp or i'm sorry asha spotlight and our sl pod ss pod shout out it's my first episode guys i don't know what i'm doing you're doing great man <laughs> thank yeah you, you are thank you but before all that Let's start it off like we have done for the last 124 episodes before this. Damn. Find, right, find out what <laughs> we've been doing. Mm-hmm. And I will lead us off because I've got news to dra- to break. I have decided to pursue my principal licensure. Really? What? Hey, what made you finally say yes, let's do it? Um I want to get a special ed- I want to become a special education supervisor. Um My dream job is to train and educate uh, intervention specialists and and speech and language pathologists about the law and how to give better therapy and how to serve our students better. And unfortunately, working in the schools, I have to have a principal's licensure. Uh, If I were to follow through in home health care and become a supervisor, I could do it without a supervisor's license, but in the school's. Uh, I need it, so uh, over the last week, I've reached out to about 10 schools, and the University of Dayton was one of the very first ones to write back, or call me immediately, offered me a mini scholarship, and waived my uh, application fee as Michelle wears her Dayton (laughs) t-shirt. That's my undergrad. (laughs) Is it really? Yeah. Okay. So I think I'm going to apply there. Also, do you see my shirt? 2020 National Champs, what up, Dayton? But then it says... Probably. I like that. <laughs> so I, I've, I've reached out to about 10 or 12 schools. I'm going to investigate what would be the cheapest route to do because I need to get some uh, education anyway for my master's plus so I can bump up myself on the pay scale. Nice. Um, but no, so that's my big news. Other than that, I started my scheduling, uh, figuring out my, my son's Cub Scouts, and I taught my boys to play tennis today. So.
2: Your boys Your, are having fun. like an yeah, awesome seriously living the dream man. fishing, tennis. I love it.
1: Hey man, I gotta I gotta make do with what I can during the time I've got. And uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, my oldest is not a baseball player, and so we've been experimenting with different sports and activities that he can fill his time with. And so far he's enjoyed them all more than baseball. So that's been my week. Michelle, Mike, how has your week been? Let's go with Michelle. You made eye contact with me since Mike's camera's off. I,
2: I, I, I can't even see your <laughs> face right now. So I unknowingly. Sorry made about that. Eye contact nope, it's okay. You.
1: It's all, there's a rule that I used to hurt. used to heard, used to hear from a baseball coach. And it said that when the coach is looking down the line to figure out who would be the pinch hitter, he knew the only one that was confident was the one looking at him back in his face. So that's always you calling the person looking at you. Nice yeah so michelle you were looking at me or into your camera but you're up how was your week i'm doing well here getting into
2: a routine in our new home and um finally feeling like we're out from under most of the boxes for unpacking um we'll get to repack in about nine or ten months so that's great (laughs) but um also like i said getting back into a routine and uh joined a group here i'll give a shout out to them it's called slam which is a pretty fun name but it's a workout group doing outdoors social distance workouts right now which is pretty cool and um it is sweat like a mother so it's a bunch of moms (laughs) who often will bring our kids and stuff too in the strollers so trying to get a good workout routine in in my new home
1: (laughs) nice i'm just so sad that you have to unpack knowing you're going to repack everything back up
2: yeah true but we do have movers so that's Uh, that's true we're not doing the heavy lifting so that's That's fair that's a positive
3: that's fair Mike, how's your week been uh it's been good uh i was actually able to finally take some time off at the end of last week
1: i feel like Uh, you always take time off
3: mike uh, no, oh. that's the option. <laughs> whoa, whoa, That's whoa, because whoa. you
2: usually ask us about what are you doing non-speech related I, so he can share I, the time I, off
1: stuff. I ask the questions I want the answers to so I can build the story in my head. Perfect. Never <laughs> taking time
3: off, my friend. Ever. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Been working straight since Corona started.
1: Right. No, so where'd you go last week? I'm sorry.
3: Uh, to a place called like uh, Ricketts Glen in Pennsylvania. Like a good place for like the outdoors and hiking and kind of like farmland area. It was, it was nice. It was a good, a good, good getaway.
1: Was that where your panor- panoramic pictures were from?
3: Uh, I literally posted every panorama on my phone. Oh, okay. Because, because I realized when you post it on Facebook, like it, it does like this cool 3d thing yeah. where like you can move your phone. So I just wanted to post all of them.
1: Okay. Well, was it worth
3: it? It was worth it. That's it was awesome. One. Very good to get away
1: that's the only thing I don't like about sometimes getting away is the thought of getting away always seems great. And then sometimes when you get away, you're like, God, I just want to go home.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So. That does, that does happen. <laughs> but with all this teletherapy and all this sitting in one room in front of a, in front of a screen, uh, getting away is quite possibly more therapeutic than ever. In my opinion.
1: That's fair. We are recording this on August 30th. And I don't know about you guys, but did you guys see the news about Chadwick Boseman?
3: Yes, of course. It
1: was so sad.
3: Terrible. Michelle, do worst... you know what we're
1: talking about? Okay.
2: Yes, I do. I and know the worst part year, is, is
3: a couple of months ago, he either was at a an award show or mm-hmm. whatever, and he did not look well at all. And he mm-hmm. was fighting this battle completely in private. Didn't want to make a big deal about it. Didn't want sympathy or anything from anybody. And people, of course, do what they always do on Twitter and crack jokes. Yep. And now here we are. And clearly, this battle was tougher than we imagined. But man, like you see, some of the stuff that he did behind the scenes—what a uh, what an incredible person, and what a and quite another hit to the Mm -hmm. black community. Well, terrible.
1: And I bring that up just because a, a quote on Reddit hit me today. Was a person saying that they felt terrible because they badmouthed Chadwick uh, about a year, year and a half ago when you know during an interview, and they kept throwing up the Wakanda Forever sign, and like he just looked so exhausted of doing that. And the comment, I guess, was if you don't want to play the character, don't do it. And the the person was like, man, if I would have only known that the reason he looked so tired and and out of doing the Wakanda symbol was because he was legit fighting for his life. I never would have made that comment. And I figure that kind of hits big that sometimes when we're working with a patient or we're working with a family or even with our friends or family or even just people we don't know, sometimes our initial reaction is to be jerks. And it might not be warranted. So I hate to use a celebrity death to teach a moral lesson, but... For me, it's a nice, different reminder to be like, eh, maybe everyone else is fighting a different battle, and and sometimes it's good just to shut my mouth. Absolutely. And that movie
3: was just incredible. Mm-hmm. That was a, such an such an unbelievable movie. I think it was the same director as the guy who did Creed. I think Ryan Coogler. Yeah. I think
1: mm-hmm. it was. I don't know.
3: Yeah, he just what an unbelievable movie, and people also forget he did the Jackie Robinson movie too.
1: Oh, he did, didn't he?
3: So it's just like, you know, two landmark movies for, you know, in in Black history, and, you know, movies live forever. So people will always know who he is.
1: Michelle, I'd, we we cut you off. We're sorry.
2: No, hey, go ahead. You're no, good.
1: what were you gonna say? nothing i was just agreeing with you oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that is kind of a tragic news and i kind of wanted to recognize it because i do have my wall yes. of yes sir comic booky stuff behind me and i would not be doing justice if i did not mention mention that i do know that i'm going to use this in therapy to kind of help mm-hmm. you know talk about you know the way we talk to other people and then and i saw an interesting post about how do you talk to kids that he is the Black Panther, and how do you approach that? And I think with some of my older kids, we might talk about who should be, should they recast or who would you want to recast or should his sister be casted as the Black Panther? So we're at least going to try to spin it into therapy.
3: Good way to do it.
1: Yep. We want to hear from you, always from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com, hashtag SSPOD That is the phone number. Did I miss anything? I think you got it. That's what I got it. All right. You got it. Every week we do an SS pod shout out. This is your opportunity to send us somebody, the name of somebody, not actually the body. Please just send us the name or photo, but mainly just the name of somebody doing something awesome related to our field. And this week's shout out is to Dr. Javona Sandiford, and we will be show or er, playing showing. My gosh, it's not a movie. We're going to be playing an interview I had with her uh, about the midway point through the show. But she is going for Miss Health and Fitness, which gets her on the cover of Muscle and Fitness, Hers Magazine. And in her round, she placed first. And that was the link that was on the Facebook page, on the Speech Science Facebook page uh, last week. And voting starts again August 31st and runs for 10 days. So shout out. To to Dr. Javona uh, for uh doing what we all wish we could do during Corona, which was get in shape enough to be on the cover of a magazine. Michelle, twenty twenty one, cover of Muscle and Fitness, hers.
2: I am hmm. get- having a baby in the late <laughs> twenty twenty.
1: <laughs> so so she she did too. She talked about that in the interview
2: of the last year. No. No, I think it was August. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But she she's amazing, and uh, I'm I'm not gonna promise that'll be me.
1: <laughs> but I'm excited for that interview. That'll be uh, after our two news articles uh, at the midway point of the show. If you know somebody that is doing something awesome and you want to give them the SS Pod shout out, uh, hashtag it SS Pod shout out. And you can also do it on the social medias. Talk to Michelle or Mike. Hit it up in the Discord. Email it. Facebook. We'll take it all. And we love giving our SS Pod shout-outs. On the flip side, SS Pod due process is your opportunity to tell us something that sucks. And we will discuss it and tell you if you're right, wrong. Is this the hill to die on? Should you move away from this hill? What you need to do, what you what you should do as the listener, though, is hashtag SS pod due process. And Mike, I believe you've got an SS pod due process this week.
3: Yes, I do. This is a an anonymous SLP due process, which we highly encourage. Uh, if you would like to submit a due process anonymously, you can absolutely do so. Uh, so this is one from a speech pathologist that I was having a conversation with. Uh, and she was describing her uh, school district to me uh, and what they were doing in terms of hiring SLPs and they were having difficulty staffing for caseloads in the summertime for extended school year summer services and what this school year what this school district did was hire a hearing support teacher to provide speech services and they asked this speech pathologist what she thought about doing this and of course this slp correctly stated that that would never hold up in court because this person is not licensed and does not have training in speech. And then the school district replied, it's okay
1: because parents will never know to even ask. There you go. So my immediate reaction is there's an ethics violation if you do not report that to the families. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, I agree.
2: Well, and it's true because in our code of ethics, you know, you're supposed to state if, for example, if you're an SLPA or you're a a speech language pathologist, like that's part of your introduction professionally.
3: Deeper into this discussion with this SLP, I come to find out that it is a very low socioeconomic school district, uh, which as we all know in this country is what tends to lead to these problems. Uh, So when you are in a low socioeconomic school district, there's going to be people cutting corners, worrying about funding, doing these sorts of non-ethical things, kids being shorthanded, families being shorthanded, district banking that parents aren't educated enough to ask questions or hire attorneys or things like that. So just just another great example of uh, education inequality in this country.
2: And Mike, can you clarify? They said they hired a hearing teacher? Hearing
3: support teacher.
2: What does that mean?
3: Uh, Someone with uh, specific training with someone, uh, like a special education teacher specializing in hearing loss.
2: Okay, so like a teacher of the deaf?
3: Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things where that has to be the hill you die on. That's going to be the one that you have to... Report, because they're not getting oh, that. Mm, that's not fulfilling the 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 idea of the IEP. I feel like you have to report that one. Mm-hmm. And doing so, you have to be prepared that you'll probably need a new job afterwards, uh, either at the end of this year or before this school year. But I think the parents deserve to no. know.
3: I think it would be a blessing and blessing in disguise mm-hmm. to have to look for a new job, but. I don't want to assume anyone's situations. Right. You know, some, some people aren't able to move, and some people live in difficult areas where areas are saturated or there's not enough jobs. Whatever, but yeah, this is that—that's an absolutely terrible thing. And the sad thing is—is is I'm sure this is a story that's happened way more than we realize.
1: Mm-hmm. So, thank
2: Ugh. you to that SLP for sharing with us because I think there's people yep. who relate to that.
1: It's a good SS pod dis- uh, due process. If you've got one that is burning a hole in your brain, hashtag it SS pod due process, or you can email us and you can stay anonymous like tonight's uh, SS pod due process. All right. Well, that seems like a good transition into people doing terrible things. Uh, this coming <laughs> off the everythingslp.com website, presence learning settles with the California government for a six hundred thousand dollar payment uh, for basically not doing what they should have been doing, is this good for our field? Now I think we need to clarify that yes. not doing what they should be doing part. Sorry, uh, the the what is what is SAG state attorney general complained in the mm-hmm. the screen actors guild <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they yep. made a number of false or misleading representations in its advertising its services mm-hmm. were as effective as in person i'm sorry presence learning is a telepractice uh, special education website uh they st- claimed that its services were as effective as in-person services and that its online occupational therapy was suitable for most students with disabilities uh the other complaints by the California state attorney general uh, concerned services were suitable for virtually for all students with disabilities. Special education students made specific levels, specific levels improvement using only presence learnings services, medical associations and federal agencies, such as the U S department of education endorsed or recognized the effectiveness of the company's telehealth services and this is what they misrepresented i should say and then that their services were equally as effective as services delivered in person Mm
2: -hmm. so i guess i just wanted to make sure we clarify that Mm because it sounds to me based on reading this that it was more of a disconnect between what their advertising and marketing was saying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what legally or what they were shown to be able to do via teletherapy because we've talked about this and especially at the beginning of all the closures, I know Mike, when you switched over, um, you talked about patients who do better with teletherapy and then others who really need the support of in-person. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I, it's so hard because I mean, I feel like, especially right now, teletherapy is so important. And I know that these cases are going to keep coming up. This isn't the only one out there. This is just a very large one in California with a large company.
1: Well, and that also raises up that idea of of we've got to be better first, first walls of defense for our families and our students about who can and cannot receive therapy via teletherapy. We should not be saying that a student can get it just because our district says they should. But this presence level thing, you're right. It's more about truth in advertising than false advertisement. But Mm -hmm. I pulled up a couple different articles that were related to this. In Arizona, parents of children with autism are are concerned about regression about their students uh, due to teletherapy. I pulled up another article. Uh, This one is from Charleston, West Virginia, where uh, this family says that remote learning did not work for their special needs child. Uh, and that they believe that he has gone gone backwards this what happened in march happened and it was every all hands on deck it was the boats going down and we need to patch the hole and keep the boat from ending up in davy jones locker now we've had michelle do you know who davy jones is
2: i didn't even hear your reference
1: Oh, I said we got to patch the hole to make sure the ship doesn't end up in Davy Jones' locker. Just your face looked like you thought I was I have crazy. No idea what that means. Davy Jones is the like the sea captain that takes in all the dead sailors when their ships sink. Any, just go watch Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> and just go watch Pirates. You'll get the whole I, I mythology. I didn't get the reference either. Sorry. All right. Anywho's, but no. What I'm saying though is that we've had all summer now to figure this out and we need to be hitting the ground running and doing good teletherapy if we're doing teletherapy and we need to be able to stand up to to the schools or these these groups that come in and say oh if you can't do teletherapy pay us and we'll take care of your kids
3: yes so basically a lot of the students that i work with you know doing better in teletherapy i think that was more of just my specific situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know me being an slp who specializes in adhd you know the adhd field tends to be you know older middle school high school very niche. higher higher functioning kids that just love their tiny little minuscule comfort zones yeah so being able to work with them while they're laying in bed or sitting in their room just happened to help uh in terms of what this group did you know i basically equate like so basically, once teletherapy started for me in March, I didn't contact parents saying, oh, this is going to be the same as in person. Uh, this is going to be highly effective. Uh, this is going to be... You know, I, I said, you know, I, it, it will be engaging and I've done a lot of preparation and, you know, we'll see how it goes and we'll increase communication. And I went out of my way to make sure I contacted families more often and there was more home collaboration. But in terms of guaranteeing effectiveness, you know, I, I basically equate this story to basically, you know, being an SLP and saying, "Oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll cure your stutter, or I'll do whatever, I, or I'll get rid of your language disorder." You can't. No matter who you are, no matter how much history you have in the field or experience you have in the field, you never guarantee results. You never guarantee progress. therapy you can just you know give examples and give referrals and show them the research and the treatment that you'll be using but it seems like presence learning kind of capitalized a little bit on people's fears uh and did everything they could to kind of ease their ease their worries of oh like this overnight transition to online and they said they went a little farther it's this was an issue with advertising like matt said
2: Mm-hmm. but i believe this the wording of their advertising i don't think i, I want to find out if that changed back in march or i think that's been the same presence learning has been around long before
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and serving school districts all over the country we, we interviewed someone from there too i was trying to remember a while did, back i thought we did right mm-hmm.
3: yeah that's a good question that's a good question so if if it was the same wording all along and they were going off of their own experiences and their own expertise in teletherapy, that's a different story. If they capitalized off of what was happening in the world, then that's, com- that's completely different as well. So I think, I think that's a great point Michelle just brought up.
1: Uh, Kristen Martinez, was yep. who we interviewed. But yeah, because that company I know
2: opposite. has been around for over a decade.
1: I would like to get her back on the air, maybe. The, to talk about this.
2: Yeah, we'll have to reach out. Yeah.
1: So, what's your thoughts? How are you going to make sure that this doesn't happen to you? Head over to our website, speech podcast.com, email speech podcast at gmail.com, or hashtag it up, SS Pod. And you could also uh, text or phone call 614 681 1798. Our second article of the day is coming out of the American Journal of Speech Language Pathology by Carmen Porter, uh, Jana Oding and Loretta Pecioni, and I really apologize for every name that I messed up in that one which will probably be all three. But the article is caregivers' perceptions of speech language pathologists talk about child language and literacy disorders. I love this because again, here's an article talking about family education and the way we perce- how the way we are perceived with others. I like this. But my first question before we get into this, how do you guys feel that your families or caregivers of your patients or students, uh, what do you think they think of you?
3: I think that depends on the setting. Okay. I think that entirely depends on the setting. Uh, So if I'm just like a contracted, like based off of my own experiences. Uh, So I've done a lot of different things so far. Um, if I am just an EI contractor and I'm someone going into preschools and I'm kind of just showing up, seeing the kid and leaving, uh, based on my discussions with parents. And, and, and we all know every parent is different depending on what's happening with their child and the personality of the parent themselves. I've worked with parents who are eternally grateful for your services and are so kind and, you know, when you describe things to them they love asking questions and they love learning and there's some parents that put all of the blame on an, on an on an slp or an ot or a teacher and if their kid is stressing them out or, or they're having anxiety about their child's uh pr- progress uh, i have worked with parents that can be unbelievably aggressive to the point where it's incredibly uncomfortable so uh, th- i think this is a great article and it really describes uh, a lot of what's going on from the caregiver's perspective. But I think we all know, uh, and this is something, you know, grad schools don't really touch on as much, but sometimes dealing with the parents, dealing with the caregiver is more than half the battle outside of treatment. Uh, like obviously we're licensed therapists, but you know, dealing with these parents and the customer service aspect of speech and language therapy, uh, it can be quite intense at times.
1: Michelle, how do you think your parents or families perceive you?
2: Um, I think especially working with with kids, it's so important, or anytime you have You know, a caregiver with an adult you're working with, if you're working with elderly. Um, I'm trying to think of what this came to mind looking at this article. Um, Mike you know Matt, you might know working with adults and in clinics um, or in, in skilled nursing facilities, et cetera. I should know this, and I'm sorry to any of my former bosses <laughs> at the hospital, but uh, what is that acronym that they teach you? And Because I've learned it at a couple different settings about doing your introductions. I have no idea. In the hospital setting? <sighs> um, I'm going to think of it at some point here, probably right after we finish recording.
1: While you the- think of it, the, the clinical implications of the study, they have three takeaways. The number one takeaway, they said how important it was for SLPs to provide clear Diagnostic diagnostic labels, and what that means for the the family. So I think a lot of times we as SLPs, we really try to dance around the deficit versus delay, and we try to try to sugarcoat the the bad news. I think I I, I feel like we have a tendency to do that, especially in schools. But they say that a statement you should use or could use uh, is the diagnosis for your child is fill in the blank. And this is what that means. And here's a list of possible diagnoses we've considered and a diagnosis of whatever best aligns with your your child's communication profile for these reasons. The second takeaway they had from this was that caregivers want to know what this, this impact, this diagnosis impact, will mean on their future. So how will that affect their schooling? How will that affect their education? How that will affect their ability to make friends? And then the third part is the caregivers want us as SLPs to understand the caregiver's perception of the child and their diagnosis. So uh, what they came away with that said that a caregiver may not understand why a particular intervention strategy is chosen and may become frustrated because he or she does not see how the intervention is going to help the child. Uh, even though it may be the best uh, scope of practice or best evidence-based uh, therapy program. So I know I've already done one of these where in the be- in the bottom of my my three year evaluations, I always say uh, based off of the results, so and so what do I put? So-and so may have a, expressive or receptive language deficit or delay, whatever I put it right there in writing. But I know I dance around what that means in a meeting. I should probably work on my directness.
2: And uh, even the chart on this article where they said, what information do Mm -hmm. caregivers describe receiving from SLPs? So that's what they remember, like what they take away from our conversation with them, right? And the highest number on it was information not explained or not shared. And, i was um oh sorry Michelle. I, no I, I guess having worked in multiple different settings i've seen it done multiple different ways especially when it comes to evaluations you know in some clinics the parents always get a copy of the evaluation a paper copy whether they ask mm-hmm. for it or not In others they have to ask for it in others it, it's just very interesting to me like how different places do it and i'm not saying giving a paper copy is the solution, but giving a paper copy, what verbal explanation do we give them with it? Exactly. And then even that article talked about, okay, they gave the example of, of doctors that pediatricians that, um, although sixty five sixty four 64% of caregivers surveyed, believe doctors should use charts to show them how their child was growing. Only 8% correctly interpreted a set of those charts. And so that means where's the the teaching part, right? I mean, how many times I've sat in an eval at the end of an eval talking to a parent in a clinic, a pediatric patient, um, and I've drawn a very basic bell Mm -hmm. curve. And, um, you know, I'm like, hey, let's go back to, I I always ask them because I want to assume that they know. Assume competency exactly so as I ask the parent especially if I don't know what their profession is I mean they may be way more an expert on statistics than I am so um, if they're super familiar with it I usually just say hey how, are, are you comfortable with um, with basic statistics and um, and the bell curve kind of thing and usually they might tell you what their job is or something else and and that's where I'll draw the bell curve and say look mm-hmm. this is what we're looking when we're using standard scores or if it's not a standard score then you're not going to use that but what other chart or what other graph or what other visual can you support your verbal with and we know communication people learn in different ways so trying to figure out how best that explanation is going to work for them maybe they are the person who wants the report and will talk to you
1: next week when you were talking about using a chart and and you know how some doctors do and some doctors don't I was listening to a podcast, and I forget which podcast it was. I think it was, I don't know, with Jim Jeffries, the comedian, but they had an expert on there talking about how important it is that experts explain everything to Mm non-experts. And just because you forget to do something in one of your interviews... That may be the one interview where you needed to go that extra mile. And for us who have 40 or 60 or 80 or 120 meetings a year where or, you know, half a year, you forget one piece of document for one family to you. That's like, eh, I'll remember that next time. But for that one family, that document may have been the difference between them understanding and and, and not understanding. Mike, how far? How, how, thorough or forward do you guys go through on the reports or do you guys? Yeah, that, uh,
3: that totally depends on really what the purpose is of the reports. So if it's going directly to a school district and it's going to be implemented into an IEP or Mm -hmm. it's being used to get an IEP or a 504, then of course it will be very extensive if it's a report that is just for the parent, just for them to learn about what's happening with their child, then there's certain things that don't need to be included. Uh, So, you know, being in private practice, you're able to kind of tailor it more towards what the parents need. Uh, But of course, everything has to be incredibly thorough in terms of all areas of speech and language. And then uh, basically what what this article touches on is uh, we can do these extensive Uh, evaluations, but a lot of the, sometimes we take for granted the semantics and the lingo that we use and having to describe it to the parents, uh, you know, us SLPs often will, uh, there's a lot, there's been a lot recently on social media about imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and SLPs acting like they don't really fit the part and aren't as, you know, kind of being imposters as these sort of medical people. But one thing that will always take you back is when you're describing something that is just so basic and so elementary in our minds, and then you describe it to a parent and they're just so fascinated and say, oh, I never knew that. I never thought of it that way. And to us, it's like second nature. It's just a basic thing of speech or language. So we have to be very careful the way that we describe things to parents and and remind ourselves these people did not go through grad school.
1: True.
2: Well, at least not in our grad school, right? <laughs> like right. not not for speech pathology. Um, oh, okay. So I remembered Matt. Yes. Told you I would remember it at some point randomly. Um uh, it's aid it and it's it's a trademarked strategy used in medical settings, especially for healthcare communication. hmm um, so I'd love to hear from any listeners if you use this in your setting or find it beneficial, but it's something that in two places I've worked, um, they really emphasized and the whole point is to make it a positive experience with patients and make them feel like they understand what's going on. Right. So it's called AIDET, A-I-D-E-T and it's an acronym to help you remember it. The first being acknowledge them. So as soon as you see them, you greet them and use their name if you know it or ask their name, right. And -hmm. do it positively with a smile or whatever is you, um, introduce yourself, who you are as a professional. That's the chance to talk about, um, what speech pathology is if needed, um, then the duration of whatever you're gonna see them for. So this eval might take 30 to 45 minutes and then we'll talk afterwards and we'll wrap up probably by about fill in the blank. Right. And then an explanation would be what procedures you're gonna do, um, what testing you're gonna do. Um, and the, And then that ties to an explanation at the end too for like diagnostics and then the T is thanking them. And I I've like thought that. about it, because I'm like, if think about a bad doctor's appointment you've been mm-hmm. to or a bad experience. I could, You could use that in not just medical settings, but especially medical. If you've been somewhere and you've been rushed in and out, they didn't use your name, they didn't know your name, they didn't tell you how long you were gonna be there, um, you don't know what they're doing, like what procedures are being done, um, and they didn't wrap up anything or send you away with any information. Like all those things mean people are gonna put that survey and say I had a horrible experience and I don't want to go back there.
1: I like this. I'm looking up this aided thing, and I think I, I, going back to the original article, I man, it, I feel like I need to really change my my approach to be more direct to really represent what we're doing better. Yeah. Agreed. how well are you perceived by your uh family members let us know speech email speech podcast at gmail.com phone call 614-681-1798 or hashtag sspod coming up after the break i sat down with dr javona sandiford talking about uh her uh process and her journey to trying to be Miss Health and Fitness. You're listening to Speech Science.
0: Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan.
2: And I'm Martin Sibley.
0: And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders podcast, where we spotlight high profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability.
2: Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real life journeys.
0: So listen to the Exceptional Leaders podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: Welcome back to Speech Science. I'm Matt Hott. Excited because I think this might be the longest gap in returning guests. It's Dr. Javona Sandiford. Welcome back.
4: Thank you, Matt. I'm glad to be back.
1: (laughs) I had to look. I cheated this morning and I was like, when was the last time you were on? And it was episode. Do you remember which episode?
4: 29 no i'm guessing i have
1: 31 31. that's wow that's impressive you're very very close (laughs) but you're on for something completely different this week last week we had shared that you were running for the miss uh, i'm going to look on the website to make sure i get it right miss health and fitness and how did you do
4: I placed first in my group, and I am going on to the quarterfinals, surprisingly.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. So, okay, so now I'm guessing quarterfinals, there's just you and three other uh, competitors?
4: You know, that would make sense. I hope that's true, (laughs) because we had about 35 of us in the last round. Oh, did you really? Yeah.
1: So, okay, so how did you start down the path of going from SLP and – doing all that, and, and last we talked, you were working in a college, is that correct? University? Um,
4: I was working th- for Chow Seminars, which I still work for them, doing continuing education units, um, but you know, because of COVID, we're not really traveling anymore. I mean, that's kind of what I was doing, so we're just doing virtual trainings now.
1: <laughs> so all of us in the SLP world have all decided at one point, we're like, oh, we're gonna get in shape. You know, at the beginning of COVID, I was like, I'm gonna run three miles every day, and that lasted for about three weeks. <laughs> How did you decide that you were going to go from SLP, which is a lot of stress, so I'm guessing a lot, I do a lot of stress eating, I'm in my car, I don't want to go to the gym because I'd rather come home to my babies, and I know you've got one as well at home. How did you go, you know what, I'm going to go get in shape, and not just in shape, competing for Miss Health and Fitness?
4: Right. Well, it's actually, you know, I never saw myself doing this, but during COVID, um, I just started working out an hour a day and I had just had my baby, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. And so I really wanted to see if I could get back in shape and um, try and see if I can get my six back back which i really seriously doubted would happen but you know with an hour a day and just continuing my my normal vegan diet it just came back and um when everything just kind of went back to how it was before for the most part i just you know decided i was gonna join this contest and just to kind of celebrate that success so
1: so okay so you got you had already started down the path and were succeeding before you jumped into the contest
4: Oh, yes, yeah. So um, I actually had just had my baby and then um, I suffered a little bit from the postpartum depression, like I told you. So they put me on disability and part of my treatment was to continue, you know, exercising and doing things that kind of benefit our overall health. So yes. And then prior to that, I also was certified in bar. I don't know if you've heard of bar like it's, it's a combination of Oh, cool. Yeah, I love it. It's a combination of Pilates, <laughs> yoga, and ballet. So I'm bar certified.
1: So I, I, I will get into the competition here in a second. And the link's going to be down below so that all the speech science listeners can go and click and vote for you. But along your pathway from transformation from new mom, and I'm watching my wife get ready to give birth here in the next two weeks.
4: Oh, congratulations.
1: So, <laughs> thanks. Uh, it's our number three. So, you know, at Aww. this point, it's all old hat of just get the child out. Let's get started. But like a- along your path of getting back into shape and, and, you know, it's the same thing that we hit in speech therapy. We always hit that wall. We get burned out. What kept you motivated again? You know, to go from, eh, I'll skip this day. Cause again, I had all the plans at the beginning of COVID to get into my rowing shape from 20 years ago. What kept you motivated during hitting those walls?
4: Well, um, that's a good question, and you're absolutely right, you know, with any career, any kind of endeavor, we often do kind of hit that plateau, I'm not changing, this isn't doing anything, and I think just suffering, you know, from the postpartum depression, one of the, the things that I felt like I had control over, you know, it was like, that thing, I don't know if your wife had any of that, but that is real, I mean, you yes. literally, you you don't feel like you're right in your head, you're just sad all the time, and crying for no reason, I, yes. I never experienced anything like that in my life. But one of the things that I was able to control was, you know, going to prior to COVID, going to boot camp, meeting up with other moms who'd gone through that. And then after COVID started, you know, I, I subscribed to Beach Body On Demand, Physique 57, and just turning it on. And, and for that hour, just focusing on moving. And I did find joy in that, you know, it really just brought me joy. So I kept doing it.
1: That postpartum is no joke. I remember with our oldest that I don't remember what happened. I think it was just something got burned and oh. my wife just started to cry. And I was like yes. I was like was that a was that an important plate or like pan and then she was like yeah. I don't even know why this is happening right now and I was like oh, What do you need me to do? And she was like just take Aww. the kid. I'm gonna go go get a bath. I'm gonna go relax. And I was like, great. And my son and I went out, and I think we got happy meals that night or Aww, something like that. Like, so but sweet of you. <laughs> but you're right that that postpartum thing and and they say the mental the mental part follows the physical part or the physical follows the mental. So that's awesome that you're able to find a way through that. And when did you get bar? Uh, Uh, certified.
4: Certified. Uh, I got bar certified about two years ago through ABT bar, uh, American bar technique. Um, And I actually am friends with the the owner, Valerie. Now she, she started that whole program and what's really cool about it is like an online certification, but you have to send in a video of yourself teaching a class. You have to pass all these tests. Good thing I already took anatomy. (laughs) It's all about anatomy. So
1: yeah, you're like I, I. know this. Can we just get to the part where I need to do all the anatomy and through here? Like I can tell you all about those muscles.
4: Yes, that's the anatomy that we know. <laughs>
1: Throat, and... <laughs> right, head, to shoulders. That's what I tell head the everybody. Shoulders, yeah. <laughs> so okay, so now uh, this starts on August thirty first. Uh, the new, the new voting for Miss Health and Fitness that runs from August thirty first till when?
4: So it's ten days, and then it goes to the semifinals if I if I make it.
1: And then at the end of this, what happens? Do we get to see your billboard everywhere? Is this going to be like the, the ASHA Power of the Seas where we'll see your face at ASHA convention, but it instead it'll be like the health and fitness convention? What, what happens at the end when you well, win I, it all?
4: Oh my goodness. That would be amazing. I can't even imagine. But um, at the end, I would get the title, of course, Miss Health and Fitness 2020. They do it every year. Um, and I would get a magazine spread on the cover of uh, Muscle and Fitness Hers which is pretty cool because there hasn't really been anybody that looks like me on that cover in a really long time. Uh, I think maybe two people that I counted. And I would get $20,000, which would be awesome to put towards my school loans.
1: <laughs> and you had mentioned that to me in the in like a private message. Like in a, pri- a private message sounds like it's a secret. In I mean, Facebook it, right? Messenger.
3: Direct and message. <laughs>
1: yeah. You can tell how old we are. We're like, I was using private instant, message. instant messenger. Yeah, um,
4: exactly. I think I'm the same age as you. 34? <laughs> Oh no, I'm older than you because I'm 39. <laughs> I know my
1: wife's th- my wife is 35, so 36. Okay. Oh, she's 36. Um, I didn't say that on air. Um, so, <laughs> but we were talking about this through our private messages. And when was the last time there was a black person or person of color on Health and Fit? Hers. <laughs> um,
4: I'm not sure about hers. I, I Miss Health and Fitness has Her. never had a had a person really? of color win. So. It, this is the year I hope
1: <laughs> and now not to get to two cycle analytical or whatever but how important would that be in 2020 for not just to have a black person or a person of color but you to be the person <laughs> of color on the cover or um, be the, the title Miss Health and Fitness I think
4: that in 2020 that would be a good year to start seeing uh, you know some some more color on magazines I, I think 2020 has been really interesting because we've all been at home so it's harder to ignore uh, things that have you know been going on but maybe haven't been as obvious to us because we are normally busy so I think 2020 would be a good year for that to see some some positive news in uh, the black community you know we've had just recently Chadwick oh, oh no
1: my son <laughs> you know was that, heartbroken about that oh too,
4: yes probably. you know all that hit us so hard and you know he kept it private but that's that's his right but yeah we would love to see some some good news, some <laughs> I good hope news. It's me.
1: so okay so voting starts this will today is should be september 1st maybe september 2nd when this drops we've got about eight days after the drop of this episode you can vote once the entire 10 days how many times can we vote
4: you can vote every 24 hours for free um, or you can do warrior votes, and what those are is they go towards uh, building homes for oh. military who have been wounded in combat, and so they're mortgage-free homes for uh, veterans that have been more, so they call them wounded warriors, but that have been um, wounded in combat, so wounded warriors.
1: Like- We've got all these SLPs, <laughs> just like me, that are motivated to maybe get into health, but not as much as you are. Tell us. What is the snack food that you still crave and have your cheat days with?
4: Oh man, I just had some last night. I feel like I shouldn't tell. I need to know.
1: (laughs) Red vines, red vines. (laughs) Oh, red vines. I thought you said bread, and I was like, oh I can't. No, not bread.
4: (laughs) I don't like bread. Red vines. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know, like the red licorice. I I know, I
1: know what red vines are, yeah.
4: They're not twizzlers
1: i was gonna say my my there's family that will say twizzlers are better and red vines are better and yeah i don't like any of them so
4: oh uh, well yeah i don't know that's something from childhood that i still like so but <laughs> well, i only have it like maybe once a year once or twice a year
1: oh i wish i had that willpower i just <laughs> ate ice cream last night because someone brought over ice cream to our house and they were like mm. this is <laughs> the best ice cream in the city you need to try it and i'm like sure <laughs> okay i'll try it i'm trying to lose weight and not die of diabetes but sure i'll do that <laughs> wow awesome well we will have the link in the show notes befo- be- below dr javona sandiford thank you again for coming back on good luck and i hope that you do get on the cover or get in your spread. will you be a cover yeah cover the cover will you sign a cover copy for me
4: I will if I win.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm already planning your victory because.
2: Oh my! If wow, we can get awesome. all of
1: our listeners to vote over the next eight days, that's like ten thousand votes. Wow, that would so. be crazy. That would, would just come awesome. out of
4: nowhere and pass right. everyone.
1: <laughs> we would do it. So awesome! Thank you for joining us.
4: Thanks, Matt. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's
0: get to it. Parents is partnered in screening for ASD via teletherapy. This is a review of an article entitled, Parent Perceptions of Caregiver-Mediated Telemedicine Tools for Assessing Autism Risk in Toddlers from the Journal of Autism and Development of Disorders. When it comes to accurately diagnosing ASD, we know that it's really important for our screenings and assessments to include caregiver input. We've linked to a previous time we've talked about this online. This study took this idea one step further and utilized a parent coaching model to screen toddlers for autism via teletherapy. Specifically, the evaluators provided prompts to the parents and asked them to engage their child in specific activities to complete one of two different ASD screening tools. To measure the diagnostic accuracy of this type of screening method, the researchers compared the results of the parent-implemented teletherapy screenings to the diagnoses that the children received previously from a clinical psychologist, pediatrician, or developmental pediatrician. Overall, diagnostic agreement was 86%. Of the 35 children who were diagnosed with ASD before participating in the study, only two were not accurately identified by the remote evaluators. And five children with developmental delays were also inaccurately identified as having ASD via the teletherapy screening. The researchers also used a questionnaire to gain insight into the parents' perspectives of their participation in the screening process. The majority reported that they were easily able to follow the assessor's directions, valued the convenience of completing the screening via teletherapy, and were comfortable and enjoyed having the opportunity to interact with their child to carry out the screening procedures. Although psychologists and psychological examiners were the evaluators in this study, the findings can definitely be applied to the role that we serve in the team-based ASD screenings and assessments. At a base level, this preliminary study suggests that we can and should actively involve parents in the assessment process, regardless of whether it's conducted face-to-face or via Zoom. The results also suggest that our observations of parents interacting with their toddler are extremely informative when it comes to trying to identify early signs of ASD. So much so that they have the potential to be just as useful diagnostically as the observations that we make when we interact directly with a child. But it's also important to note that this method of screening may not be the best choice for every child or everything. The authors specifically point out that a parent coaching method of telescreening is probably best for kids with suspected ASD who are 18 to 33 months, have no comorbid conditions, and aren't combining words yet. And based on the results of the survey, some caregivers might not prefer this method of screening. 75% reported that they would have preferred a hybrid approach where they would spend part of the time interacting directly with their child and part of the time observing their child interacting with the examiner. Thanks for listening to this review.
4: If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice, or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP.
1: Welcome back to Speech Science, episode number 125. I'm Matt Hutt. I think I've been here for 123 of those episodes. Michelle Wintering. Hi. how many episodes have you been?
2: <laughs> I came in 30, no, what was it, 30-something? Okay, so you're almost at 100. Mike?
3: That was probably the same, right? Yeah, I thought you we probably started probably around, around the same, same time. time.
2: Okay,
1: so, yeah. I've lost count.
3: Combined, we have over
2: 300 it's been, it's episodes. It's been over
3: two years because
1: I was pregnant with
2: my son when I started recording with the event.
1: And you have another one, so. Crazy. Uh, no another one around. on the way. So Dedicated I Dedicated. I posted a fun little comment on Facebook, and I'm just going to run these off real quick. It said, what was the best or the worst gift you've ever received from a, from a patient these or a good. client or a family, <laughs> family? And the reason I say this is because I got a little funny sound machine that I forgot I had, and I found in the bottom of my bag because every time I throw my therapy bag down, it makes a screaming sound. And it makes me laugh so hard that sometimes it'll be like the most dead quiet part of a room. And I'll set my bag down. You hear, ah, and the patient (laughs) always looks at me and I'm like, oh, yeah, I should. I've had that in my bag for a while. But here are some of the reactions we got on Facebook. Uh, The PTSD SLP, uh, Rachel Archambal, she said she got shot glasses from one of her students. And one of them had (laughs) boobs and a bikini top on it. Love it. That's hilarious. (laughs) Uh, someone got, she's in Florida
3: too. So I feel
1: like those are more accessible. That's true. Kate got a set. Uh, her friend got a set of giant steak knives with their names written on it. And she got six dozen eggs every week. That I wouldn't complain about. Right. (laughs) Um, Marin got a fat wrap and wrinkle cream. Oh, like one of the, uh, direct sales. (laughs) Yeah. Wraps. Uh, Patricia got a set of used kitchen towels. Uh, Our old professor or our old uh, clinic supervisor said she got a large ceramic pig with a pacifier in his mouth. A set of pajamas, a gift bag of the following, a calendar book from the previous year, nail polish, and a puppet of a mouth with a tongue removed. And our old... Uh, Co-host Ivan Campos says he was offered a large outdoor reptilian pet. So off top of the heads, what is the weirdest gift you guys have ever received?
3: Well, one I got was, it was basically like a, it was like a free giveaway lunchbox. <laughs> so, like, do you know how like you go to like fundraisers yeah. at a school, and they, yeah. like it was like a very cheap little. Lunch I got one box. from Asha, by the way. And and inside maybe of they it, maybe
2: thought you needed one.
3: And inside of it was like a thing to microwave popcorn.
1: Oh. Wow. Well, I I love these. I just laugh at the weird gifts. I was once given a Jimmy Johnson piggy bank. The That's NASCAR, cool. the NASCAR driver, not kinda, not the football coach. I respect that. a recent that.
2: one that was actually because I know you
1: said best gift as well. Yeah, I said best um, gift as well. It all kind of up being in the weird gift range. Actually,
2: a uh, um, very meaningful one is a patient that I had at a previous um, place of employment whose parents gave me a note that said, you know, he couldn't talk when he met you, Aww. and um, it was a little recording he had made that said, "Thank you, Michelle." Oh, so. Do you still have that? I do, yeah. Yes. I play it when I need a pick me up. There you go.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just I thought it was funny because I, I remembered the sound machine in the bottom of my bag and I thought it would be a fun little a little thing. All right. So we have a new segment on our show. It's where we're gonna quickly talk about some stuff in the news. And I've got a couple of articles that come up for you guys. So the first one, and this again just kinda off top of your heads uh did you see who the new Gucci model is? No. Nope. Ellie Goldstein. When she was born, uh, she was born. Medics told her parents that she may not make it, and she was born with Down syndrome. And now she is the uh, Gucci model. So there you go, Ellie. Go, Ellie.
3: Fun? Yeah. Uh, next
1: one. Uh, this was coming out of the Democratic National Convention the last couple of weeks. Uh, did you guys see uh, Braden Harrington or Gabby Gifford speeches? So i both. Oh. Yep. For those that don't I know,
2: rewatched him. I didn't see them
1: live, but yeah, yes. I was with you. I saw him on YouTube. Thank you. Uh, everything else. Brayden Harrington, uh, disfluency stutter and Gabby Giffords, uh, former Congressperson. Yes. Yes. Who was yeah. shot point blank in the head or not point blank, but shot in the head and, and battle basically, back. basically
3: point blank. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, man, those are just two awesome moments to watch. People Gabby, who have received our services on the national stage. And Gabby Gabby's Gifford, Gabby Gifford man, that she like uh. that is just like, that's insane. It's
3: absolutely insane. There's videos of her literally freaking out, breaking down, crying, and going nuts during speech therapy just from the struggle. Oh, I haven't
1: seen the videos.
3: And if you, she did a lot of uh, melodic intonation therapy.
1: Oh. And, uh
3: And uh, like if you watch her speech from the previous convention when hillary was running yeah her speech was way worse so she I has know, continually continually worked continually improved she is unbelievable and the fact that she doesn't like she should get more airtime cool. she should get more she's she's amazing she's well, and
2: i would say even listening to her speech um when i you know i watched it on youtube i was just amazed by even the the pauses or the hesitations that are there that as a speech pathologist I'm picking up on mm-hmm. some of that I feel like if you didn't know her history yep. you would mm-hmm. think she was just being deliberate with pauses and mm-hmm. yep. and being articulate you know like taking taking your time doing it for the public speaking part not um, I mean I'm just, I was just so impressed by her <laughs> the, so
1: impressed. the last news article uh, Michelle you kind of you threw this at us Uh, one Halloween is starting to make its way because it's September and in 2020 we need anything to give us good news and Halloween makes me good news either way at low as they had a 12 foot skeleton that I'm trying to convince my wife to let me buy and put in the front of the house but (laughs) Target has adaptive costumes and that was in the news this week
2: Uh, it is pretty cool and a lot of them are uh, costume kind of sets that look Mm -hmm. like they can be put on wheelchairs or um you know accessible strollers that you can make it part of the costume it's pretty cool
1: i'm looking at one it's the kids adaptive pirate ship halloween costume wheelchairs uh so over the wheels it they're like looks like water so as they're rolling it looks like the waves crashing and then uh on either side of the wheelchair you can put uh the sides of the pirate ship.
2: And i just think it's neat because these are these kids and their families are the ones who have been and still are so creative and find ways to adapt these costumes already but they've never been able to walk into a store and buy a costume off a shelf like that yes and and so it's pretty neat
1: to have that as a parent and like i say this full full tongue in cheek but now parents of students with their children with disabilities can be just like the rest of us and rush into the store the day before Halloween and buy the store brand costume and throw it on for school here you go (laughs) I don't I'm not creative anymore you're a pirate
2: and if only if only those are on Amazon
1: Prime then they could really (laughs) really do it too oh man so that's pretty cool so that's gonna be our news segment not every week but when there's a couple awesome news articles we'll kind of hit on those and you know spend a few minutes talking about them and to close the show like we always do let's take a look at the asha spotlight this is where our moment to look at something asha is doing well because uh, it's kind of easy to pinpoint everything that they're not doing 100 percent greatly And have you seen their newest updates for safety, telepractice, increased funding, and flexibility for the 2020-2021 school year? I assume you'll say no. Is that a resounding no? You guys have not seen that? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't seen it. But no, it's wonderful. I will send the link down in the bottom of the show notes, but it's a, a checklist that they are put together for to send to U.S. Senators. Um, talking about the flexibility needed as we continue on in this pandemic. So pretty awesome. I bet. All right. As we wrap the show up, tell me something you're doing in the next week that is boring. I'm switching it up on you guys. Thanks on a post I just saw on one of the Facebook groups. What is a one boring thing you have to do this week?
3: Hey, well, I know. Uh, tomorrow I have to drive almost a half hour, possibly like 45 minutes out of the way just to get uh, my yearly fingerprints done.
1: Ugh.
3: And that's something I'm not looking forward to doing tomorrow. But, gotta do it. Michelle. Gotta do it in, Pen- in Pennsylvania.
1: Ugh. Michelle, what's well, one thing, you're- boring thing you're doing? This, this is, classroom. I would
2: say boring, annoying, frustrating, any of the above. Um, trying to make sure that I am correctly registered to vote in Kansas. Ugh. And also, PSA for anyone else who moves, you have to unregister to vote in whatever other state you used to live in, or you will still be on their
1: books. I didn't know that.
2: Yep. Oh. Huh. Yeah. And in this case, I have to go get it notarized and mail it in to say that I am no longer voting. That is
1: the- boring, man. That is terrible. yes. <laughs> for me the boring thing i get to look forward to doing this week is scheduling Mm, scheduling i have uh, all my students i have to schedule telehealth and uh in person face to face nothing you can't handle no it's not that it's bad i just it's it's that boring where you just have to sit down and go okay this kid's got this goal which kind of like this other goal and it's kind of like this goal and they're all on three different sides of the... Nope, that group's not going to work. <laughs> Our intro music tonight was Please Listen Carefully by It's licensed Under an Attribution and Share Alike License. Our bump music was the County Fair Rock. Copyright of John Deku. Find his music at soundcloud.com slash dirtdogmusic. The informed SLP was At the Count by Broke for Free. Is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. And our closing music playing right now, it's The Slow Burn by Kevin MacLeod. It's licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. The oak will crack under pressure, but the willow will bend and return to form. For Michelle Wintering, Michael MacLeod, I'm Matt Hot. Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Bye.
0: This has been an Exceptional Podcast Network production. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit ExceptionalEd.com and rate and subscribe to our podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts.